0: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, that's me, ad
1: free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply.
2: This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move, or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, That's audible.com slash WonderyPod. Or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at AmericanExpress.com slash with Terms apply.
1: We all have busy lives these days, and we don't want to waste a day recovering after a night out. That's why Zbiotics is the answer we've all been looking for. Their probiotic was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. Enhance your mornings with Zbiotics. Go to zbiotics.com slash cbs to get 15% off your first order when you use code CBS at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with a 100% money-back guarantee. So, if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember to head to zbiotics.com slash cbs and use the code CBS at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, z for sponsoring this episode and our good times.
3: If you travel, you know how to pull off a perfect getaway. You know after you enroll with your Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card, you get up to $10 back monthly on U.S. rideshare purchases with select providers, like a car to the airport. You know which remote retreats have the best herbal baths. And where the Wi-Fi password is rarely used. Because you're the escape artist. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Terms apply. Purchases must be on card. Visit go.mx youknow you know.
0: This episode of Travel Today with Peter Greenberg is brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. One day, Canada. The next day, Thailand. Then, New York, London. You just never know. This week, we come to you from the Port Ferdinand Resort in Barbados. My next guest sort of does what I do, but he's been doing it longer, I think. Um, He is actually not only the, the station manager of the four radio stations here in Barbados, at least four of the many radio stations here, he also has his own show called Down to Brass Tax, and his name is David Ellis. How are you, sir?
4: Hey, Peter. I am well. There's Welcome a, to Barbados. There's a voice.
0: Okay. That's that radio voice I was listening to.
4: Uh, you're you're a
0: Barbadian born and raised.
4: That's correct. Wouldn't have it any other way.
0: I'm sure. Tell me what's changed.
4: What has changed?
0: Yeah, since you were growing up.
4: Oh, Barbados has become even better. I mean, I. I, I mean, let,
0: let's let's start with it. It's still a relatively small island. Yeah. It's not that long, not that wide. Only about two hundred and seventy-seven uh, uh, thousand people live here, so it's yes. it's not out of control. You're not suffering like Venice from over tourism. Not yet. Not well. That's, okay. <laughs> we we'll got a through. long
4: time, a long way to go to get there.
0: Right. So you you spent. I'm not saying you, but but folks in Barbados have spent a lot of time trying to manage the growth. That's correct. Right. So when you when you think of all the different resorts all the different places and you look at the map of barbados it's quite fascinating because on on the west side where we are now uh at the at the uh, port ferdinand resort you also have places like the sandy lane you've got further down south the silver stand beach with all the crazy wind surfers and then you go around to the atlantic side which is really rough and 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 a whole different environment
4: so the 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 fundamental point here is diversity You, you you can get whatever you want in the barbados tourism product And that, I think, has been highly attractive for many people over the years. You can go on the south, where you have the middle to lower, and then you can come on the west coast. And then there is the whole ambiance of Barbados, which is the people. I think that remains an essential component of what you get when you come here. Tell me more about that. I think there's a warmth, a well-recognized warmth that Barbadians emit and transmit to people who are visitors to our country. I don't know, perhaps it is something that we have come to believe is uh, ingrained in the Barbadian psyche. But wherever I go, whenever we come into contact with people who are visiting this country, there is that welcome, that warm welcome. And uh, I think that 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 has a lot to do with the high repeat uh, visitors that come to this country as well.
0: I remember the very first time I came to Barbados, as I got off the plane, and by the way, the airport was a lot smaller then. Uh, but it's when been I, a long time. <laughs> it has been a long time. Uh, but when I first came here, that was the first time, there There was the steel band right there at the airport. They were playing, right? And um, that was the first time I actually heard a steel band.
4: Great, but the other side of that is that uh, Barbadian's are very quick to say let me entertain you let me take you somewhere let me show you something this is our country and we are not doing it just for the money we do it out of our hearts that's how we are generally speaking
0: all right so where do you want to take me where do you like to go in barbados
4: boy i like quiet places i'm all for quiet one of my favorite places is a place called bats rock it's a beach has a lot of trees and well shaded because you know a lot of beaches have no shade and therefore you have to get your umbrella and all of that down there uh, not the beach itself but just close to the beach you have this cluster of trees I I love that place I I love um, Coves Bay I love uh, the East Coast those are my favorite places in Barbados I also love places off the beach I love Farley Hill what about Farley again I'm a nature person that's probably what is the the single element in all of this I love nature I love trees I love water you know that that quiet kind of environment is what I love
0: Wait, you're on an island you have both
4: yes I do and if I want action, then I can go anywhere on the south coast. Um, there are these pockets of activity that, can, that you can take advantage of. One of the things that I found most interesting when you ask what has changed in the bus, Thursdays and Friday nights, in particular, Saturdays as well, there has been this explosion of street food.
0: Are we talking food, tru- food trucks?
4: It. Food, food trucks, people who just set up their trays, and I think it is an outgrowth of the tourism industry. Many of the people have worked in the tourism industry.
0: They're starting their own stuff now.
4: And they've started their own stuff, and sometimes you really come across some excellent stuff. I, I consider that I, I'm really um, a street food buff more than anything else, and that's not peculiar to when i Barbados. Mm-hmm. Wherever I go, I like it.
0: Right, okay, so when we come back, now that you've opened your mouth and put yourself in, in a position to say you're a street food buff, yeah. I'll put you on the spot and ask you where you're going to take me to which truck and what we're going to order there. Okay. Okay? Because that, without that, I'm lost. Okay, Fine. can you do that? Fine, of course. All right, so where are we going?
4: <laughs> well, have you ever heard of something called and themselves? This is pickled pork on the one This is getting dangerous. And Go then ahead. you have um, uh, sweet potato, which is um, basically grated and then stewed.
0: This sounds to me like almost a combination the- British- Barbados
4: dish? Well, I was in a studio, basically um, boiled and and stuff like that, but the combination of the sweet and the the lime and salt in the pickle absolutely, I would suggest to you that perhaps if there is a national dish in Barbados, it is this thing called pudding themselves. Now, there's so many people around Barbados who do it. It's a weekend dish. Uh, But you find that Some people do it better than others. So I have two ladies in a place (laughs) called Eagle Hall.
0: Now we're talking. No,
4: that's the place for me to go. I mean, they they are very, very well patronized because there's a consistency. Some people...
0: You know what? If I'm going to have my pudding and sauce, it better be consistent.
4: Yes. If you go today and you go tomorrow, it will basically be the same. So those two, that's one place I will send you to. Uh, On the street, at weekend, there's a guy on... The main highway on the west coast. He apparently used to work in the hotel industry. His name is Connie. He and his wife operate there every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Hey you gotta I, go I the right the day. Best. You gotta go I, the right day. I really think that the quality of the food that they present. So you got look
0: for a guy named Connie on the highway.
4: Connie on the on the highway. On the
0: highway. Okay, so here's my idea. When I come to Barbados, and people are gonna laugh at this. I don't go to the, to the rum factory or the distillery and take a tour. I want to go to a local rum shop because that's where I get involved in conversations with everybody because they're all there for the same thing, to, to have a conversation before they buy the rum.
4: That's correct. Some places you can go and have karaoke as well. I have this little place. Well, after enough rum, I think everybody's doing karaoke. <laughs> I got this, this little place in Spooner's Hill, uh, offset from the road. Again, a lot of trees. Uh, But the guys gather there at weekend, especially at weekend, but that is not exclusively a weekend place. Um, Rum, some people like a lot of scotch around here as well. Really? Yes.
0: Are you a rum aficionado?
4: I wouldn't describe myself as that. Um, a A friend of mine once said he wanted to find out whether I was a rum specialist, as you call it, an aficionado, or just another rum drinker. Uh, but I'm not sure. I drink some, uh, and, and there are some good rums here, huh? I can recommend um, for good rum. At the top of the line, you will hear people talk about a Guyanese rum called El Dorado, and there is one out of the Dominican Republic, but I recommend that you taste a Barbadian rum called Plantation Reserve, 20-year-old. And um, then we have some other rums coming out of uh, Four Square. There's one called Premise. Premise tastes almost like a scotch, uh, so it's got a kick to it. It has a kick to it, but the, the other one that I spoke about doesn't have that kind of kick. That's a rum that you is an after dinner drink. You know, it's a sweeter. It's a sweeter drink, but it's worth trying because I think I rate it pretty highly. When you compare it with um, the El Dorado out of Guyana and the Ron Zacapa out of that's the a Dominican, the, the Dominican yeah. out of the Dominican.
0: I love that bottle. See, I I like their bottle with 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 a rope at the top. Yeah,
4: but you got You got to see this twenty-year-old plantation reserve.
0: And the darker the rum, the better.
4: Well, not necessarily. Uh, I think the 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 taste is what matters. So you can have a rum that is dark, but maybe for you it might be too sharp. Uh, You know, the older the, the it is alleged basically that the the older the rum the smoother it ought to be. <laughs> the smoother it ought to be. Yeah, it ought to be. <laughs> Toto,
1: I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore.
0: Such great history here. Uh, only about 277,000 people live here. It's it's an island country in the Lesser Antilles, and we've got the Caribbean on one side, the Atlantic on the other. It's not very long. It's 21 miles in length and just about 14 miles wide, uh, and yet... What a great history of the people who've lived here, who settled here. Everybody from the Kalinagos to, to, the, uh, to the Spanish, to the British. The British are still around. They still have a governor general running around somewhere. Um, and, of course, even George Washington was here. Uh, hard to believe, but true. I mean, it, it's fun when you think about even the island of St. Croix and Alexander Hamilton. People forget that. Uh, so it is the birthplace of rum, if I hadn't mentioned that already during the show. and uh, And... A number of UNESCO World Heritage Sites are here. So who better to get on the show than the eminent historian from Barbados? In fact, his family's been here, listen to this, since 1637. And his name is Dr. Carl Watson. Welcome to the show, sir.
5: Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. I mean,
0: there there is so much history here. Most Americans only know it as a resort. Most Brits only know it as a resort and some nice and some very nice resorts like the one we're broadcasting from today. Uh,
5: But the bottom line is, if you look just,
0: you don't have to look very far to find the history, do you?
5: Not at all. I mean, the links between Barbados and the United States of America are absolutely incredible. Just for starters, I don't know how many Americans are aware of the fact that Barbados helped to colonize what is today the Carolinas, North and South Carolina. We were quite instrumental in that. Exactly, how? Ah, no, by the 1660s, Sugar had implanted itself on the island. The big planters had amassed all the land available on the island, and younger sons had no land to plant. So they were forced to leave the island. And in the 1660s, we employed a certain Captain William Hilton, after whom Hilton Head in North Carolina is named. Aha. And he went exploring, and he came back to Barbados to the little town just south of where we are, a town, and said, look, folk, I found a marvellous place up north. All your younger sons that have no, no land to farm in Barbados, they can pack their bags and accompany me. And they, they went and settled in what is today Wilmington, North Carolina, on the Cape Fear River. That didn't work out so they went a bit further south and then down that peninsula between the Ashley and the Cooper, they founded the town that became Charleston, marvellous town and incredible linkages to our island and we're very proud of that association.
0: Exactly. And then, of course, let's not forget
5: the British. Well, yes, of course. I mean, my family came primarily from England, Scotland, Wales, Ireland. By choice? They, yes, by choice. But I'll tell you honestly, i mean getting into the social aspect of it, I don't descend from the grand old planter class of Barbados. My my folk were more like small planters or indentured servants. But they stayed. They stayed. Initially, of course, they would have had a hard life, but it's a wonderful island. And they stayed because they love the island. But Barbados, when you think about it, I mean, we talk about history, but it's had a complex history. A very complex history. For such a small island, it has had a remarkably complex history. In the 18th century, in in the struggle for world supremacy between France and Britain, this island, because it was the most easterly of the islands, occupied uh, an important logistical position. You know that mantra of real estate? Location, location, location. Yeah. Well, Barbados had the ideal location. And the French tried on many an occasion, but they never conquered the island. In the other islands, you know, you went to sleep an Englishman and woke up a Frenchman because the <laughs> French had invaded at midnight <laughs> and had taken over the entire island. and then that then, never and happened then, on and, Barbados. And then the
0: British took it back.
5: And then the British took it back. Yes, exactly. It was a kind of like seesaw, you know. But that never happened on Barbados. And that stability led to, well, you'd mentioned George Washington. Now, I don't know whether you're aware of this, but we host a theater dinner at the house that the Washington's rented. And I have the honor to play your first president. I become (laughs) George Washington. And I host a select few, 30, to dinner. And I regale them with accounts of... Well, I get into the character, of course, but George Washington kept a journal when he was here on the island. How, he, long, was, how long was he here? He was just here for th- um, six weeks. His brother Lawrence, who was ill with tuberculosis, was here for closer to three months. What had happened was Lawrence was dreadfully ill in Virginia, and the doctors in Virginia said, look, if you're going to be cured at all, then you need to change climate, you need to, to move somewhere else, and they came to Barbados where they had family. You know, lots of Americans have family associations and the Washingtons were no exception to the rule. Sadly, um, we didn't cure Lawrence, but on the other hand, George got smallpox when he was here. Oh, great. <laughs> he survived, but that was very important and gave him immunity during the Revolutionary War when many of his soldiers were, were dying or fallen ill of smallpox. Just think, one of the what ifs of history. Suppose George Washington had died when he was here in Barbados. It'd probably never been a United States of America. What What is today United States of America could very well have been like the Commonwealth of Canada. That association might have continued. So it's just a, a little example of how this tiny island has reached out and well, had an impact.
0: Other than tuberculosis and smallpox, did George
5: Washington have a good time when he was here? Ah, that's a question that a lot of people ask at dinner. And, and yes, if you, if you read his journal, yes, he did have, have quite a good time. He had a, he had a young girlfriend on the island. Now we're talking. Miss Roberts. And he, he for the first time in his life, he went to the theater here. And then he also went to see Fireworks for the first time. And he had a date on that occasion. He took Miss Roberts. But you know, <laughs> he came here as an eligible bachelor. The, the ladies of barbados got all their daughters together and hosted a tea party for him lined up about 35 others hoping that george would fall in love with one of them that didn't happen no he okay. fell in love with all of them <laughs> <laughs> no he he went back to virginia and there he married martha martha custis park and so suppose he'd met somebody and really, you know, cu- suppose Cupid had struck here on the island and he'd stayed and married somebody. Again, history would have changed you're,
0: you're right. We talk about Australia as a penal colony. Barbados, in a sense, was where they sent people they didn't want for a
5: while too. That's very true. In the 17th century, when Cromwell was invading Ireland, over 10,000 Irish were sent as prisoners to the island during the Jacobite uprisings. Many hundred Scotsmen, Highland Scots, were exiled to Barbados, where they were put to labor in the cane fields. But talking about cane fields, that that then leads me on to a very important topic, because the, the demographic profile of Barbados changed with the introduction of sugar, and then the mass importation of West Africans into the island through the slave trade. And I mean, this is a hub. Barbados was a hub, and the Royal African Company did have a re-exporting officer, which supplied then the Spanish colonies. Right, they came here for the slaves. Yeah, well, the the Spanish sort of were like Pontius Pilate. They wash their hands. They said they they would not take part in the slave trade. They licensed it out through what was known as an asiento. And so the Royal African Company got the asiento from Spain and had two main um, slave exporting entrepoles, one in Jamaica, which targeted Mexico and one in Barbados that targeted what is today. So the Spanish States. were into it up there next; they just didn't want to admit it. That's very true. That's that's very true. But yeah, it's a, it's a sad, you know, sugarcane is a bittersweet crop, and it has that tragic history of the enslavement of, of West Africans and, of course, the, the harsh treatment of the Irish and Scots indentured servants as well. But several hundred thousand. West Africans, mainly from what would be today Ghana, Sierra Leone, and Gambia, were were brought through force to Barbados, where they were sold as chattel, and it was largely on the backbone, their blood, sweat, and tears, that the sugar industry prospered, and by the late 17th century, Barbados has been touted as, and I quote, the richest spot of ground in the world. You can, you can think of Barbados in the 70th century as like Abu Dhabi of today or Singapore, along those lines. You but, know? you
0: know, when I think about history, we go back to Wales and, and their fortunes that were made in coal. Or you mentioned, you know, Saudi Arabia and oil. What were the what were the fortunes here?
5: Well, Barbados' fortune was based on the byproducts of that sweet grass, sugar cane. So, sugar, molasses and rum.
0: Oh, I knew you a were going to get there. I knew rum, you yeah. were going to get there. Okay. Oh, yeah.
5: Yeah, you know George Washington loved his Barbados rum. He imported cask of it back to Virginia. Nothing better on a cold winter's night than a sip <laughs> a nice old Barbados rum. How many different brands are there now in Barbados? How many different distilleries? There are um, two main ones, and then a much smaller one which produces an accent rum at St. Nicholas Abbey, which one is one of the early 17th century um, homes, still stand on the island. But the, the top brands are, of course, Monkey rum right. and Coxsper. And they're and they're still bottling it today. And they're still bottling today. But the, the, the St. Nicholas Abbey brand is also a wonderful brand as well. And you would know this because <laughs> Well I learned this all from my uncle. My uncle was an inveterate rum drinker. Now that story is told. So, sadly, I, I will I will enjoy a nice little rum with coconut water or, or ginger ale, but I'm not a really great rum drinker. I'm, more of a teetotal. That sounds terribly boring. No, but that's that's truth. why we're still among the living, I think. <laughs> no, um, Barbadians, there are many Barbadians who are centenarians, let me tell you. We probably have one of the worlds, apart from Georgia, Georgia and Azerbaijan, they, sure. um, one of the highest rates of centenarians in the world. So it all, A, our water is very good, because good water is essential to making good rum, and our rum is even better. So, Let's go continuing on from the
0: slave trade. What what were the two or three biggest turning points in the history of this
5: country? As as I mentioned, the the introduction of African slaves into Barbados in the 17th century, that that was a turning point because that changed our culture, our demography, and our, our socioeconomic being. So that was exceedingly important. Then again, of course, the ending of that period of slavery, 1834, the Emancipation Act was proclaimed throughout the British Empire. There was like a hiatus period, a period of about four years when people were sort of neither free nor enslaved, called the Apprenticeship period, and 1838, full freedom, and of course the whole legal framework of slavery, slavery ceased to exist, and a new society then came into being. But change was gradual and slow. It wasn't a revolutionary change. Right. so. Emancipation would be that, and then the other major thing, something that I have lived through in my lifetime, 1966, um, independence from Britain, which created then a whole new Barbados. The Barbados of my youth was a Barbados that was dependent on the plantation system, it was dependent on agriculture, it was dependent on the export of sugar. Since independence has become far more diverse, tourism has become a major income earner. Huge. It is huge on the island, but then apart from that, we do light industry. We do produce about 25, 30 percent of our oil requirements, because we do have oil deposits on the island and natural gas, part of a the really geological aspect of Barbados, which is theoretically like an extension of South America. And then, of course, you have things like IT. and you know, we've made advances in a number of areas. Um, we were among the first in the world to really introduce um, solar devices to, to warm water. Almost every home in Barbados has a solar heating device. We use the sun, you know, the whole prospect of renewable energy, Sure. and our, our, our new prime minister said that by 2030 she wants Barbados to be completely free of of, um, fossil fuels, fossil fuel, exactly, and to to rely solely on renewable energy.
0: Well, you know, you mentioned topography and oil. People forget how far South Barbados really is.
5: Well, yes, we're only um, almost 12 degrees north of the equator, so we really are a southerly island. But you're very close to South America. We're less than 300 miles away from the coast of Venezuela, so we are very, very close, and then just Beyond that is Brazil, again, a very important partner for us. We do have these partnerships. And I, I also used to be in our diplomatic service, and I actually served in Venezuela. So I know a little you, bit of you what survived I'm talking about. You
0: survived Venezuela. <laughs>
5: well, when I lived in Venezuela, Venezuela was a wonderful place it was. to live. It was. Um, OPEC had, uh, there was the huge oil boom. It was. I was there in the 1970s. Time to be there. That's when Venezuelans in Miami were known as the Eso people. They know, they go in a store and say, "How much is that?" And they say, "Oh, twenty dollars. That's so cheap. Give me two or give me ten of it." You know. And they (laughs) had they had the buying power. Yes, fueled by oil. It's, I, I do still have a sister who lives in Venezuela, and I, I do know how things have changed. I'm kind of sad.
0: And while the British still have a governor general here, that's more ceremonial than anything else,
5: right? Well, yeah. Well, let me explain this. Because a lot of Americans come into, um, I come into contact with ask about this. The queen is the ceremonial head of state. When the queen is in Barbados, she's not the queen of England. She is the queen of Barbados. And so, legally, she has a representative here, who is our governor general. If
2: you are continuing on to another Southwest destination, please make sure that you check the monitors inside the terminal for your proper gate and flight information. If you are continuing on with another airline, we really don't care.
0: My next guest is really thoroughly familiar with the modern history of Barbados. Uh, and and, and, And he's been around long enough to be able to tell the stories and make a few up along the way in terms, of, in terms of modern folklore. He's also the benefactor of the synagogue here, which most people don't realize there is a synagogue in Barbados, and we can talk about that as well. Sir Paul Altman, how are you, sir? I'm great, thanks. Your history here in the Caribbean, in Barbados, how many years?
6: Well, I'm born here.
0: That's, that's a good start.
6: <laughs> I, I, I was lucky. I guess my grandfather came here in 1931 from Poland. Wow. Uh, My father came as a young man, and I am the beneficiary of all of their movements.
0: And you stayed?
6: Well, I I stayed, and you know, it's interesting that you say that, because I left to go to university in the States. Where'd you go? I went to the University of Miami in Florida, and uh, a lot of my contemporaries who traveled overseas for university, they, they didn't return, they stayed where they went. They went to McGill, they were in Canada, Canada. they were in, uh, in, in all over the states in different universities. But a lot of them remained where they went to school.
0: And you came back home.
6: I came back. And I'll tell you, part of that was because I married a girl who was from this area. She was from Trinidad.
0: Well, there's she, the anchor right there.
6: Uh, of course. And I met her at the university. So what better than that? Like she was at the University of Miami when I was there. And you stayed. I am happy to be here. I, I couldn't think of any life that would have been any better than being here.
0: When you think of the development of this country, and like many island nations in the Caribbean, it depends so much on travel and tourism, you've seen all the changes as well.
6: I have seen them, and I, I would like to say that I've been a part of them because you know each of us here has a role to play. I was, in, and I remain still actively, very actively involved in development, so, and my development uh, area was linked and is linked to tourism. So, we, we were involved in building resort-type uh, places, golf, resorts, tennis, um, and selling property. So, we were helping to make it
0: all happen. And at the same time, trying to manage the growth? Sorry? At the same time, trying to manage the growth? Well,
6: I, I would say that the only way we were trying to manage it is to make more of it happen.
0: <laughs> but there's a danger there.
6: Well... There's a danger in a market when it when that when a market turns around, but we were lucky because what was happening as a part of my involvement was at the beginning. We were starting, you know, I was here from the start of tourism. Tourism only started in the early 60s, and um, so that the growth was, was a continuous growth up until... Uh, you know, the, the 2008, I would say, almost. We had a few downturns in between, but they were manageable. Yeah. Th- those were manageable, and it was the big downturn came after 2008.
0: And when you think about it, you know, people forget, you know, the, the British influence here. You, you still have a governor general running around?
6: Well, we, we do. We, we have a governor general, and we, you know, we are proud of that connection. Um, one of the other connections that, that I am involved with, and I'm not sure this is uh, relevant in this um, talk, but I, I chair the university here. So the university and the connections with the university to all of the UK, tourism UK, and... Um, we get a lot of visitors from the States, but the rail market for property, which I'm involved in is from the UK, mainly UK. People
0: forget, you know, just because you're in the Caribbean doesn't necessarily mean that British Airways doesn't have a non-stop flight here. They do.
6: Well, it is more than a non-stop flight. British Airways had two destinations for Concorde when that was flying. Uh, one was New York them, and the other and was, one Barbados. was Barbados. And I have often said that what put us on the map was the fact that when you got onto Concorde and I did, and i pulled out the brochure from the seat in front of me and i looked into it it said new york and it said barbados and it was three and a half hours london barbados it got here before it left london because of the time difference
0: i know those are great days
6: it was absolutely spectacular you miss it don't you i do i do i mean we but you know, want,
0: i have a little story for you it's going to come back but not in the way you think uh Based on a new bill that was just passed by Congress in the United States, mm-hmm. it has a provision there for the allowance of new supersonic flights if they meet certain criteria in terms of flying overpopulated over areas. Sonic boom, yeah. And yeah. if they can manage that, yeah. they're back in business. Sir Paul, we were just talking about the Concorde. Most people don't realize, not only did, did BA fly here on the Concorde, it was one of its two routes there's a concord museum here in barbados
6: there is we we were lucky They they gave us one i suppose it was simply because we were that important destination and it was the ability to come here in less than four hours coming out of london that enticed people to come and i always said that it wasn't a matter of price because barbados was catering to those high end type of visitors they could afford it yeah so the fact that it stopped flying everyone uses the the uh sort of excuse that it stopped flying because it was too expensive. I certainly couldn't wouldn't subscribe
0: to that. Well, the real history of the Concorde is that when they built them, they only built 14 of them, and nobody bought them. And the unknown story is that the manufacturer, in, in trying to, to get the business excited, literally sold seven of them to British Airways and seven of them to Air France for $1 each. Okay. And they bought them. Air France operated them, but British Airways basically branded their entire company around the Concorde. It was the Concorde Lounge and the Concorde this and the yes. Concorde that. It was never going to make any money. It was a flying fuel tank, mm-hmm. but it flew the flag for BA. It and did. as long as BA was going to fly it, Air France was going to fly it. Then they had the terrible crash back in July of in 2000 Paris. in Paris, mm-hmm. a story that I covered. Um, and its fate at that point was then was then doomed. But I would love to see supersonic travel come back. The technology is there.
6: It is. And i, I tell you, it, it really made a difference to Barbados. One of the things that, that we had here as a signature to demonstrate how important it was, we had four Concords at the same time on the apron at our airport here. And I
0: don't think any other airport had
6: that. Well, there were... Char- the Air France was not on a regular uh, flight, but it was a charter. Right. So you had two Air, Air France charters, and you had the two British Airways in here. And they, the, the government at the time used it as one of their campaign of course. Uh, sort of uh, photographs to, to help get votes. And, and I think they won with that. They said, look, we brought four Concords here. No other country uh, has had that. So it was I mean,
0: Well, listen, when they resume service, you better get them back. Well, it won't be called Concord. You know that.
6: I, I don't have a problem with any name. <laughs> I just want to get it back.
0: And, you know, you talk about this being, at that time, an expensive destination. It was. It catered to the elite. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember going to the Sandy Lane for the first time and getting an estimate on a Diet Coke. <laughs>
6: <laughs> well, you see, if you went there now, they will tell you the real price. You wouldn't have to get an estimate. you sure? I don't think it got any cheaper. No, it not, didn't. They've no. they have, they have, they have gotten comfortable with letting you know what the real price is.
0: And it's it's It's, it's extraordinary. But the people fill the rooms, they do. I mean, it's, it's that particular kind of market that works. Let's talk about the synagogue for yeah. a second, because you're the benefactor.
6: Well, I really was uh, responsible with my family for getting it back together. The synagogue dates in its origins to 1654. It's the oldest in the Western Hemisphere. Um, the fact that we were able to to get it back in order and to get it functioning was simply a matter of timing and luck, I would put it. It was, you know, we, the, the, there's a graveyard attached to it. Um, there are many stories, and I, I'll give you one that, that is so relevant to the United States. Um, we, in Barbados, be, being 1654, the oldest synagogue in the United States is just under 100 years after Barbados. And that is the Touro Synagogue in Newport, Rhode Island. And I've had the pleasure of visiting there on a number of occasions. And the story that they tell at at Newport is they say, well, the money to build Newport and to build the Turo all came from Barbados. Barbados had the wealth. We had sugar. We had these people that brought sugar to Barbados. That's how come the Jews were here. They were coming out of uh, Recife, which was the Dutch part of Brazil in the north, and they got involved in the sugar industry. And they left there in the early to mid 1600s when the Portuguese came in. Having fled Spain and Portugal during the Inquisition, they ended up in the Dutch area of Brazil. Then the Portuguese came in and then Pushed them out. Came out again. So they came with the sugar hair, and Barbados became the jewel in the crown as a result of sugar. And sugar was what put us on the map. Now, the story they tell at Turo is, first of all, that the money to build Turo came from Barbados. But they then go on to tell a nice little, uh, little sound bite, as I would put it, about them needing a rabbi in the early 1700s
0: <laughs>
6: and right into Jerusalem and getting a rabbi sent to them, and his name was Carrigal And Carrigal comes to Newport. He goes into New York. He befriends the president of Yale University, which is a Christian university, and he convinces him to have a Hebrew slogan uh, or a motto for, for the University of Yale, which it still has until today. But that's part of the story. The real part that is fascinating to me is that Carrigal, then gets bored with New York, and he gets bored with Turo, and he gets bored with that part of the the east side of the United States. And where does he go? He moves to Barbados because Barbados is deemed to have a much more active and thriving Jewish community than that northern part of the United States. He
0: went where the action was. (laughs) He went where it was, and he died
6: here, and his body is here. So we we have all all of the proof. You've come full circle. I love it. We are here. Riding along in my automobile
4: My baby beside me at the wheel Cruising and playing the radio
5: with no particular place to go.
0: Audible.com has more than 150,000 titles and virtually every genre, so, check it out for yourself. Sign up today at slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30 day trial. When I first came to Barbados, and that's going back at least 30 years, let me describe the food. Uh, lobster, <laughs> um, ribeye, mm. potatoes, very British. Right. Right. Um, things have changed. I mean, you're seeing. Michelin star chefs all over the place uh, Celebrity chefs all over the place not just celebrity chefs worldwide But celebrity chefs who are homegrown and are local who figured it out from day one and my next guest knows a little bit about that he's uh, He first got a start in just a local kitchen and then worked his way up and he's now one of the big guys here in Barbados Mm -hmm. Michael Hines at at the East Point Grill. Correct. Yeah, Uh, I mean And the menu's got uh, look nothing against lobster Mm, but we've got we've gotten beyond just lobster haven't we
3: sure sure how well um it really uh, but the story really and truly is that i mean with with all the investment and stuff that's happening in barbados it kind of dictates that the the palette that um comes in with that requires a skill set that requires training and, and, and a lot of these chefs have uh, been in competition a lot of them have been overseas a lot of them understand what people come here and want yes they want the local stuff but I want it done at a specific level professionally so so they've they've invested in themselves they've had some training and this is a result
0: I mean for example in other resort destinations I use Hawaii as an example what was on the menu for a hundred years was mahi mahi if I heard the words <laughs> mahi mahi again I was gonna throw up right right um I know you still have lobster but what I'm saying is, wh- how has the menu changed?
3: Well, I, I'll tell you what. I mean, as you mentioned earlier, Barbados is an um, interesting melting pot of various cultures and with their influences. Um, and, and really and truly, a lot of food that we have, you know, it comes from, from our influences in, in history uh, the, the Caribs and the, and the Arawaks, and it comes from the Dutch, and it comes from the English, and it comes from obviously the Africans as well. But over time, you know, and, and more recently, there have been many initiatives in Barbados where um, we're pushing Barbados as a culinary destination and so that was an impetus for many of the chefs to get to ramp up their yeah, act yeah, for sure for sure yeah so that that has caused the industry to kind of mushroom and improve and, and that's why you're seeing some interesting uh concepts out there
0: that goes back to my, uh, my original days in Barbados with kidney pie. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that yeah. That was the British influence. Yes,
3: for sure, for sure. Yeah. For sure.
0: But these days you can source just about anything. We can. It, it all flies in if you yeah, want it.
3: from anywhere in the world. Um, what we try to do, though, is, is to take whatever local ingredients we can get and maybe use international techniques that you might have picked up overseas. And, all right, and, and so give me an
0: idea of a local ingredient that you've really fine-tuned.
3: Well, let's say breadfruit. Very, very, very glutinous um,
0: and bland. To me, it's bland. Yeah. Yeah. Come well, on, it is.
3: Well, I mean, our, 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 our seasoning style in the Caribbean is we, we season everything highly. So it's not going to be bland <laughs> when we're finished. On its own, it is. Yeah. Sure. Uh, just like a potato would be. But, you know, it, it depends on what… All right. I so make. how
0: are you going to season that breadfruit?
3: Well, it depends on what I'm making. Uh, there's a traditional dish, um, a soup actually, called a vichyssoise, which is a chilled potato soup with leek and garnished with bacon. It's a very classical thing that… it's French, obviously. Of course. Yeah. Uh, so I take breadfruit and I make that same very thing. Um, and I accentuate it with, with truffles and and and, uh, and, and 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 the things that you would expect if you were in a French restaurant. And so that now becomes more palatable for, for a person that has the palate for that type of thing.
0: Okay, can I ask a really stupid thing? Here it comes. Uh, when well, you you open the door with the leeks, um, you know, I'm at a French restaurant and they always say the same, oh, we serve it with baby leeks. Mm. And they say they're like this with the baby leeks. <laughs> Are there any such thing as an adult leek?
3: <laughs> no, I mean, baby <laughs> leeks just really means it's, it's, it's just sprouted. And, you I know, know but and you yeah, know what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's and, not at all. Not no, the adult
0: leeks, you're in a hospice. Okay, yeah, I got yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, but how has the local food changed?
3: Well, the local food has, has really just taken on some uh, skill sets, which have helped to improve its presentation, um, like I said, to make it more palatable. But to be honest, the, the flavors that we have and the, and the way we eat food hasn't really changed. I mean, it's very still, highly, highly seasoned. It's going to be a lot of pepper. It's going to be a lot of lemon. It's going to be a lot of sugar in there as well, depending on what you're doing. But, but the presentation and- And
0: not um, as much rum as a couple of years ago.
3: Um, in some cases, yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh,
0: here it comes, okay. I gotta ask this question, I do this all the time. What's the one thing you put on your menu that you thought, wait, that you thought, everybody's gonna love this and it tanked. And then what's the one thing you put on your menu saying, do I really have to put this on? Who's gonna order this? And everybody had to have
3: it. Well, uh, not, at, not at East Point Grill, but I've had I tried calf liver, for example. I thought to myself, okay, let's see how this goes. It's, it's, it's awful, for example, but I mean, let's see how, how, how this goes. And it was actually very popular. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have thought a barbarous Castle would be popular. Okay, so
0: bad that it was good. Yeah, for sure. Okay, and the one that you thought was gonna be great and it tanked?
3: Uh, Something like a, let's say a tomahawk tomahawk steak, which is, you know, really nice, um, exciting, you know. A
0: tomahawk steak is a weapon.
3: Well, uh, sort of. (laughs)
0: I mean, this could be a Colombo episode. The guy was killed by a tomahawk steak. I mean, that's huge, right?
3: It is. It is, yeah.
1: Hello and welcome to Alaska Flight 438. We'd like to tell you now about some important safety features of this aircraft. The most important safety feature we have aboard this plane is the flight attendants. Please look at one now.
0: When I first came to, to Barbados, I actually went and watched the polo game. Uh, it's a tradition here; it goes back many, many years. But I'm honored today because joining us, and I hope he takes this as as a compliment and, and as a credit. He's the world's oldest active polo player, Sir Charles William Howey, sir.
7: Yes, sir. Proud to be and to get us book of records. <laughs> I,
0: I know, and you were knighted. You yes, were, you were knighted by the Queen back in two thousand. Yes. I tried to play polo. I did. Uh, and there there are two things you have to learn about playing polo. Don't fall off the horse. Uh-huh. That's a good one, right? Yeah. And uh, how do you balance the mallet and ride at the same time and actually hit the ball? This is not easy. I want you to know that I didn't fall off the horse, but I didn't hit a lot of balls. Mm-hmm.
7: <laughs> how long have you been playing polo? Well, I was born on a sugar estate. And my dad was one of the five people that restarted the polo club in 1939 it was shut down during the depression in the 1920s 30s and he was a real horseman and he started by playing polo but uh, he as i said he would have found a member he loved it he could ride anything that had four feet and he was very competitive and i loved it from the time i was a child uh, his method of transportation on the farm in those days was on a horseback, so so he he knew how to ride a horse to begin with. Oh yeah, he went to school on a donkey, so he knew bareback. So he knew he was a good rider, and I got to tell you that he didn't fall off. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: don't rub it in. I, I, I'm, I'm terrified of falling off a horse in any case, mm. but playing polo, that it, it almost is almost inevitable that when you lean over. If you're not watching what you're doing or the horse is going in the wrong direction you're going to fall off
7: Mm. right you are yeah uh you are now 86 years old well i'd be 86 years old in 24 days (laughs) i'm 85 and on the 24th of november i'd be 86 years old well happy early birthday thank you thank you very much indeed how has
0: the island changed because your family has been here Since 1652.
7: Yep, that's right. Oliver Cromwell sent my family here as punishment because they were Protestants and they fought on the royalist side. But I have to tell you that the punishment was with a gift of land. And he gave him a gift of land, uh, which is in St. Thomas. And his crypt is still there. His uh the art what's the things that they put (laughs) his
0: grave not his grave only gravestone
7: the gravestone no 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 his his monument no i'm gonna get it right the thing the thing that you put uh coffins into to keep the mausoleum the mausoleum no okay i'm striking out but Uh, i got the point it's still there yeah it is still there and still has his name on it. And the family's still here, too. Yeah. And what, what keeps the game of
0: polo alive here in Barbados?
7: Uh, the love of horse. Uh, it's a family, mainly a family thing. Uh, my dad volunteered and went to the first war at 16. He was one of the lucky ones to come home with some other Barbadians that were sugar cane planters, too. And they got together restarted the club in nineteen thirty-nine. Exactly.
1: The charge for looking at this pamphlet is three dollars. The charge for looking at this pamphlet and putting it back quickly is four
4: dollars.
7: My
0: next guest was born in Britain but we forgive her because <laughs> she's been living in Barbados for the last 20 years yes, right yes, yes and she's been dubbed the Queen of Soka music which I'm, she, I'm gonna force her to explain <laughs> her name is Allison Hines hello Allison.
2: hi Peter
0: hi I like the voice hi Peter <laughs> Let's do, we're starting off on a very good level oh, there you go to, yeah what is Soca music
2: Soca is a very um, energetic very happy music it's kind of similar to Reggaeton. Some of it is is kind of at the speed of reggaeton, but some of it is also faster and just it's it's very much dance oriented music, and it's uh it's very interactive. So we as the performers and artists, we get people waving and jumping and singing and doing all kinds of stuff. But
0: it's not like Junk Junkanoo.
2: No, Junkanoo is Junkanoo is a little bit different. Junkanoo is a little bit different.
0: Right. This is further south.
2: Yes. Yes. Definitely.
0: And how, how old is it?
2: oh lord i have no idea <laughs> i don't know how old Soka is i mean it's 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 been around for a little while um, hey look if
0: you're the queen of Soka, you better know how old it is
2: it's uh, you know it's a cousin to calypso okay so now i'm getting it right it um uh, so it's it's actually it's new in comparison to calypso calypso has been around for a long time, you know, 50s, 60s kind of thing.
0: Were you trained initially singing soca?
2: I wasn't. I actually, as a kid in England, I was in the choir, so I was like, you know, singing. I was I was an alto in the choir, so I was kind of singing, you know, hymns and different things like that. Um, and when I moved to Barbados, it's kind of when I got exposed to soca, reggae, dancehall, like Caribbean music. Um, and even then, um, when I first joined the band that I used to be with, Square One, I was singing r and I was singing ballads, I was singing pop, all kinds of stuff.
0: But it's a distinctively bar- Barbados music.
2: Yes, yes, yes. It's 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 from Barbados, but it's it's Caribbean really. Soca is really Caribbean because each island creates um, its own you know adds its own flavor its to own it. dialect if you will yes
0: absolutely absolutely and do the songs ever have a theme
2: yeah the theme is theme is party theme is <laughs> have a good time theme is
0: can, can, can you say that again have a good time
2: <laughs> <laughs> um whining in effect that's 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 Beijing. yeah whining which is gyrating the waist
0: Ah, so I'm so, I'm so upset. This is radio.
2: <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. I'll have to show you, Peter. I'll have to show you. I'll have to uh, teach you.
0: Oh yes. And my audience will not be able to see it. They will not no. be able to see anything. Oh my God. I'll end up in orthopedic surgery. So it's, it's okay. So give me an example if you can. Can I get you to sing something? Sure. Okay. Tell me what you're going to sing and, 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 and then let her rip.
2: I'm going to give you, it's a song called Roll It Gal. It's a, it's actually a female empowerment song, but it's, you know, it has that energy when them fly up in your face gal make them know them place number one in the race gal could never replace independent and you're strong gal and you set the pace fit and healthy living long gal free yourself gal you got class and you got pride Come together cause we're stronger, unified. Roll, roll it, gal, roll it,
0: gal, roll, control it, gal, roll it, gal. Now you see, there's something beautiful about that, but also contradictory. <laughs> How can you roll it, gal, and control it, gal?
2: Well, you know, that's what we do. That's what <laughs> we do in the cast. what we do in Barbados. We roll and control.
0: That's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little scary.
2: <laughs> but it's exciting, though.
0: It is. It and is. I can't wait for you to teach me all those movements from which I'll have to go to the hospital.
2: You'll be fine.
0: I'll be fine. I'll be
2: gentle. All right.
0: But having been here for 20 years, I yes. can't let you off the hook without telling me, where do you like to go to eat? Where um, do you hang out?
2: Uh, I think one of the places that I go is actually a place I discovered recently. It's called Open Kitchen. Open Kitchen. Um, and the food is kind of like, it's casual dining, uh, but it's healthy, you know, and tastes really, really good. Um, it's in an area called Cane Garden and, um, Yeah. And the reason why I'm asking this is most of the people who come to the resorts here in Barbados, they never leave the resorts. It's true. It's true. But we have, we have great food, even, even street food. Street food is awesome in Barbados.
0: You know, my rule of thumb for everywhere I go in the world, I'll always eat street food as long as it's cooked. Yep. I'm yep. In. Yep. Yep. so what do you order from the street food guys
2: um fish grilled fish fried fish whichever um rice and peas some salad um yeah that's that's kind of that's me i'm 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 simple you know but macaroni you pie, are not simple you, are have <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: you have to taste the macaroni pie though, so macaroni pie yeah. okay i'm in it's the best
0: i love it <laughs> alice and hans the queen of soca
1: You've been listening to Peter Greenberg Worldwide. Catch us each week as we broadcast from a new location somewhere around the world.
0: Hey, Prime members, Peter Greenberg here. You can listen to Ion Travel ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today and you can listen ad free with wondery plus in apple podcasts and before you go tell us about yourself by completing a short survey
1: at wondery.com hey it's matt norlander with the cbs sports eye on college basketball podcast and it is tournament time people so listen to the one podcast that will cover every upset cinderella bracket buster sleeper we've got it all covered every round reaction shows all the way up through the championship game in Glendale, Arizona. To find us, search Ion College Basketball Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
6: Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast